namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa buddhang dhammang sankhang namasami As you know, Namposamedo uh, is uh, not available this Sunday. He's um, taking some time out, taking some time for uh, his own uh, practice, his own um, space. So um, these titles to these Sunday talks are chosen uh, suggested and then uh, picked by him and put down in the calendar, and then the slots have to be felt have to be filled. <laughs> so, um, bhavana cultivation and meditation. Well, I trust that you're all doing it. <laughs> the the uh, bhavana, the the cultivation. Bhavana is, uh, is usually the Pali term, um, and it uh, has this idea of um, some sort of uh, growing or um, cultivation. And meditation is, a, is an English term and um, used for many, many different things. And what people often ask is, well, what should I do? What should I do? <laughs> And uh, the most imp- probably the most important thing is to stop doing. And then, uh, then the question comes: Well, how do I do that? <laughs> so uh, it, that's the uh, that's the sort of paradox, and that's the sort of. Um, Difficulty, particularly in this, uh, I think through all history, human history, the uh, becoming, getting, gaining, uh, getting on, doing something has been, um, it's got us where we are today. <laughs> it's uh, it's the sort of the driving force of, of, of us all and then We're actually very fortunate. Um, you know, as, as all of you will recognize, we've, we have uh, enough. All of us here today have enough. Um, you know, we're not desperate, um, in desperate condition. Uh, there's the story in one of the suttas about the Buddha waiting until somebody had actually had a meal before he gave a Dhamma talk because he said that, you, know, you can't really listen to Dhamma if you're, if you're really hungry and um, starving. Um, it's more difficult. But you all here have, have and I certainly have had enough food today. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, we, and we have enough shelter and um, the NHS is good enough 
and uh, we've got enough clothing. And so we can, we know we have the privilege to be able to stop and notice and look around and think, well, what's next? Where does it all end? What's the, what's really going to work? And giving space for that is very important, and that's what the the sitting meditation is almost a symbol of. Because when you sit meditation, at least physically, you've stopped. Yes, a little bit of restlessness, but at least there's a stopping, and there's a whole school of of meditation as some of you know which is just sitting that is their complete practice just sitting not sitting and thinking or sitting and worrying or sitting <laughs> and what and doing anything else it's it's just sitting and that's a very uh, powerful reflection and I remember um, when I heard about it and when I I thought, well, that's actually a very helpful reflection. And yet, if I was going to just sit here and leave you all to realize the Dhamma for yourselves, (laughs) then uh, it it wouldn't be particularly generous. And um, if you're going to begin to do anything then that spirit of generosity is 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 where um, one can begin um, cultivating begin cultivating a spirit of, of generosity a spirit of feeling that one has enough and then being able to offer from that sense of enough If there are any others that wish to stop the mobile. <laughs> um, now the, the sense of, of generosity, the sense of having enough and offering time, attention, uh, physical things, and um, in, in the meditation, the sense of offering in one's meditation uh, very very helpful in the sense of when one is sitting meditation that what one offers to the moment is one's clear and honest attention Uh, and that's a generous act uh, for oneself so do cultivate generosity. It'll help you and help others. It'll help you feel that you're not needy. Uh, in the act of giving something, then one cannot feel needy. Um, because in the actual act of giving, then one has to actually feel that one has enough. <laughs> 
and uh, if uh, the um, the Buddhist goal is freedom from a sense of need, freedom from a sense of greed, freedom from a sense of of feeling um, that one doesn't have enough. <laughs> you know, so cultivate that that generosity. And in that, what one's um, also got the opportunity to also do is cultivate a sense of, of, of trust and trusting in oneself and uh, trusting in one's actions of body and speech. And if one's going to practice meditation, this is very helpful. So in the next uh, thing that one can grow in one's garden, in one's garden of life, a sense of, uh, of care over one's actions of body and speech, ones that are not going to harm oneself or others. And this is... Um, This is the sort of foundation for meditation. Uh, sometimes um, I've met people who've been meditating for many years and they're wondering why they're getting very strange um, phenomena happening in their, in their lives or in their meditation. And then I've asked them about whether they uh, keep the five precepts and, uh, or even try to keep the five precepts. And they've said no. And then I say, well, I'm not particularly surprised because the, found, the foundation for one's meditation practice <clears throat> is a sense of trust training oneself not to kill steal uh, training oneself so that one is not misusing one's sexual energy training oneself not to intentionally deceive or lie and training oneself not to take intoxicants so that one makes it easier to keep the other four because if one takes intoxicants it's much more difficult to keep the other four so, because um, what one's interested in is, is in a clarity of heart, a clarity of mind. And one recognizes that the people that one trusts are people that are not drunk. One can't really trust a drunk or somebody who's um, uh, strung out on drugs. One can't really trust somebody who's, who's lying, somebody who's misusing their sexuality or breaking that sort of contract, somebody who's stealing or somebody who's trying to kill you. And, oh, and uh, the person that one most needs to trust, as it's often said, is the person that one lives with all the time. Yes, and then, so if one can use that as a way of developing a sense of trust within oneself, and then also recognize that by training oneself in the five precepts, what's one, one is also being uh, generous in offering society as a whole and everybody that one meets is somebody that they can trust. And that is a very generous thing to do, um, to uh, offer society as a whole somebody that can be trusted. Now, that's pretty generous. If one can use that as a way of reflecting on the actions that one does and doesn't do, uh, use that. One's never going to keep the five precepts perfectly, 
in that way, but one can at least train and use that as a way of, of reflecting on one's life and reflecting on the actions, the kamma of one's life. And if you want to know where you're going, then reflect upon what you're doing now. Because um, that, will, that will determine where you're going. And in, in that, what one's actually doing in that is, is it's called renouncing. One's actually giving something up. Giving something up. Uh, you know, one could do a lot of things. And what humans can do uh, really best is renounce. In the um, Tibetan tradition, they have a, a, um, a, a drawing that's in most, most places. And it's a drawing of, a, of something holding a mirror. It's, a, it's actually a black beast that's standing on a, a uh, skulls, and it's holding a mirror. It's time holding a mirror. And this mirror is divided into six, um, sometimes five, um, parts, which are the realms of existence. And, we, and, the, and in each realm of existence, there's a little figure of the Buddha, and uh, how the Buddha appears in each realm of existence, I sometimes find interesting to contemplate. Around the ed- rim of the mirror, there's the depiction of the 12 links of dependent origination sometimes. And the mirror itself is, has these, these uh, realms of existence in it. In, uh, in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly realms, the Buddha appears holding a lute, or strumming a guitar. And uh, so if, if, one, if one hears music, <laughs> then uh, one's in a heavenly realm, one's in a realm of, 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 of bliss, then I, I'm not quite sure what that um, reminds one of, but I think it's probably something about time um, because uh, gods are not open to very much uh, instruction um, and they don't make very much kamma. But if they can be reminded that their existence is also transitory, then at least they might have a chance to reflect. In the, um, in the powerful gods, in the Asura realm, the Buddha appears with a, a, um, with, a, with a great big sword because there's always somebody who's more powerful. Um, there's never anybody who's the ultimate power. And if that can be reminded for the people who try to take power or try to use power, then that's a helpful reflection. In the, um, <clears throat> in the animal realm, the Buddha appears uh, holding um, scriptures, teaching, training. <laughs> uh, that's what that represents. And so when... Uh, in the those beings caught in the animal realms, what they can most benefit from is is training. Um, it's a reflection for oneself because you know the human beings have the capacity to go through all realms. 
Um, and uh, to reflect in one's own life when one finds oneself in these def- different realms as to what will, what will actually help. In the, in the hell realms, in the hell realms, there are two hell realms. Um, in, the, um, in the hell realms where it's all fire and brimstone and punishment, then the, um, the, the Buddha appears again with, with, a, with a, a flaming sword of purification. So in those in those realms, what is happen? What the way out is a rec- is a is a recognition. That this is a purification. This is something that needs to be burnt through, when things get painful. And uh, patience is the supreme um, tool for that. And I will get round to that. And uh, in the realm of the hungry ghosts, realm of the hungry ghosts, where their mouths are the size of um, pinpricks, and their bellies are the size of mountains. <laughs> so they can never, ever get enough. Uh, in, in, you know, and that's, that's a hungry ghost, isn't it? It's the sense of never, ever, ever being able to get enough in. Uh, the, the Buddha appears offering gifts. Because <laughs> again, the quickest way out of that realm is to, uh, the quickest way out of not feeling that one has enough is to give something. <laughs> Because in that giving, one immediately um, gets out of that that realm. And uh, in the human realm, the Buddha appears as a renunciant. This is this is the the clothing uh, the Buddha appears in uh, as somebody who's, who's given up. And so, renunciation is the next next level uh, in these things that one can cultivate. In the way that um, is suggested, you see these people in ten precepts here. These people in white. Um, they, on the in the traditional way, um, once a week, for lay people, on the quarter moon days, uh, the uh, one renounces that which is actually unnecessary. The five precepts are pretty necessary for human society. And in the degree to which they're broken, or the degree to which they, um, uh, you know, society breaks down. But one can renounce and give up things that are actually unnecessary. Um, all, all sexual activity, all entertainments, and eating in the afternoon. And those are the three uh, renunciant uh, and sleeping on a high and luxurious bed. So one can keep that, those eight precepts. Uh, following a, 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 a pattern, uh, first maybe on just the full moon days, and then later on, maybe on the on the quarter moon days. If one can't do this, uh, these are no, just suggestions. Yeah. At the very least, if one can try to keep the five precepts on the moon days, then at least when one's a lunatic, one will be protecting oneself <laughs> and protecting others. One will be a safe lunatic. <laughs> um, this. This is just a way of, of considering. Renunciation is helpful. Um, and one can practice it. But to do it and to practice it um, uh, with wisdom, with some reflection, uh, some sense of... Um, 
circumspection, some sense of consideration, to wisely reflect when one does things, to see how one can use them so that they are um, tools that actually uh, support life rather than um, harm it, support sensitivity rather than harm it. Um, when precepts um, and renunciation get used as, as ways of beating oneself up or beating others up or developing a sense of self-righteousness or a sense of self-importance, then these are ways of, of misusing the, those very beautiful tools when they come as a way of, of, of um, ways of, of developing guilt. I can't keep the five precepts. I'm a terrible person. Or, you know, or he's, they're terrible people. They can't keep the five precepts. And, you know, that is misusing um, those particular things. And then throughout one's life to actually consider what one does and how one does it. Uh, you know, the, if one's a, you know, training as a Buddhist, the Buddhist is to know, to see clearly, to wisely reflect. Now, those things on the wall there, wisely reflecting, I use, um, and those are just the four requisites, but one can also extend that to other things that one uses. Wisely reflecting, I use my mobile phone. <laughs> not in the train, shouting to <laughs> uh, Not in the car. You know, wisely reflecting, I use a motor car. You know, the, the, and see what is the wise way, what is the way that actually leads to a sense of peace and release and ease. Why is it reflecting I use money? Why is it reflecting I use this life? Why is it reflecting I use my relationship with my children, my parents, my boss? <laughs> you know, these, these things to, why is it reflect this aspect of something is something to cultivate? Um, if one's going to, um, no, I think that one has to, do something in one's life. And one has to one has to use some um, some effort with this. Some effort. No, this is um this is not for the faint hearted, actually. This um, practice of, of, of awakening does require effort. It requires the effort to stop uh, the effort to stop those uh, things that are actually harmful. Those effort to uh, cultivate those that are, are actually of, of value. And one has to actually make the effort to be generous. One actually has to make the effort to keep the precepts. One has to actually make the effort. To, to practice renunciation. One has to actually make the effort to, um, to reflect what's this for? What's this language for? What's the voice for? How does one use things? How does one use tools? Actually, giving oneself the effort to do this is, uh, is important. With a sense of, of, of honesty, with a sense of honesty, um, to actually do this with a sense of honesty. 
so not to um, pretend, but to actually notice, is this helpful or is this not helpful? Is this way that I do this helpful or not helpful? Um, and to notice this with honesty um, and to practice as much as one can, a sense of clarity about what is happening and to give give that effort to that um, is, um, is part of that which needs to be cultivated with patience as I said the patience thing is uh, is clear uh, as the the most uh, valuable of, of of it all. Patience um, is a supreme blessing. But in cultivating any of these, one will have to cultivate the the rest uh, along with them. It's not something that can be separated. Uh, these are just um, ways of reflecting. But patience. When I hear patience, I used to hear a sense of grit your teeth and bear with it forever. And I'm not an incredibly patient person (laughs) when I do that because if I think I have to bear with something for a long time, then that just is just frustrating, which is, you know, has some value being frustrated. But if I feel that I only have to be patient now, then I can be patient. And the only time that I have to be patient is now. I only have to bear with this now. I only have to bear with this now. Then I can do it, and I can practice that. I can practice bearing with things now. And this, this I find very, very helpful. A sense of not how long is this going to last, but can I bear with this now? Can I be with this now? And then the the thing will work. The thing will work. But one has to remember. One has to remember to do it. And this is what Aditana is about. Aditana is sometimes translated as resolution. Yeah? Making a making a resolution, making a resolve, forming a resolve, forming a determination. And uh, this is um, a friend of mine used to say that Mara loves nothing more than a good determination because <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost sure that if one makes a determination, one's going to find oneself <laughs> uh, breaking it and blaming oneself. Um, but if one can <laughs> remember, remember and come back, and again, it's a remembering in the moment. You know, I, I resolve not to have another cigarette. But the resolution only needs to be at the moment when somebody offers me a cigarette. <laughs> Luckily, it's not often nowadays. <laughs> um, but that, that sort of thing, one only needs to remember again in the moment that this is one's resolution. It's a moment something that happens in the moment if one can bring one's practice into this moment if one can delight in this moment because this is where there's going to be 
the opportunity for greatest ease and greatest happiness. This moment, this moment, this moment, not dwelling in aversion in this moment, dwelling in a sense of, of kindness to this moment, recognizing the importance of the kindness of this moment, both to oneself and to others, in this breath. Can there be kindness in this breath to oneself and to others? Can one remember that what one wishes most in the whole world is that oneself be happy? And actually all life moves with that intention, either confused or, or, or unconfused, from the, the very lowest life. That's what it wishes, is the very best for itself. <laughs> on, almost, on almost any level, that's what life at some way means. Plants, animals, even little microbes, they only want the best for themselves. <laughs> they may be confused about the results, but that's what they... That's what they, you know, that's what they really wish. And we forget that actually that's what we wish for ourselves. We would actually like to be happy. Forget very often. We think that something else, you know, we get stuck in the senses of, of lack or the senses of being overwhelmed and not being able to cope. And uh, this, uh, the last one is uh, is uh, upeka, uh, serenity or evenness of heart. To really, uh, you know, cultivate that the sense of uh, accepting of the limitation, which is what upeka is also about. And then being willing to then work to rise above that limitation. Uh, Upeka is uh, serenity or evenness of heart or um, equanimity. And uh, of course, um, in all of this to reflect on the Lord Buddha and to reflect, well, in the way that the story of the, the, the Lord Buddha's um, life and previous lives, those of us who um, accept that idea and, um, over many millennium, um, many thousands of years, you know the way that the, the way that the story goes is that the um, the ascetic Sumedha in the village of Amravati, <laughs> would you believe? Um, it, Lumpur didn't remember this when he named the place. Um, uh, was uh, heard that the Buddha Tipankara was passing through with a company of bhikkhus and they prepared the way into the into the 
into the place, into Amravati. And then um, as the Buddha walking past, uh, he, um, the, the ascetic Samedha noticed that there was a puddle, a bit muddy, and so the ascetic Samedha lay down in the puddle, in the mud, so that the Buddha and all his disciples could walk across his back and keep out of the mud. And as the Lord Buddha was walking across his back, the ascetic Samedha made the determination in some future lifetime, I will be a Samma Sam Buddha. I will be a Supreme Buddha too. And the Buddha Deepankara uh, knew then that uh, there was this ascetic Samedha who was making this determination and made the prediction that yes, this would be possible. So what did they... What happened after that? <laughs> Over many, many lifetimes, the Buddha, uh, the Bodhisattva then, as he was, because he was somebody who's determined to be a Buddha, is called a Bodhisattva, who's practicing to be a Buddha. Over many lifetimes, the, um, the, the Bodhisattva perfected these qualities cultivated these qualities, these ten qualities of generosity, morality, renunciation, wisdom, um, effort, uh, honesty, um, patience, uh, uh, resolution, kindness, and equanimity. Yeah? Over many lifetimes, uh, the Bodhisattva perfected those. And this allowed the Buddha to be born. Now, after those had been perfected, then the last one was dana, actually. The last perfection that he um, perfected was, was actually um, generosity dana. And after that, there was rebirth in the Tusita to heaven, and then from there... Um, uh, in, in the uh, land of the um, rose apple in India 2,500 years ago. And what, what I ask for all of you to consider is how can you get the Buddha to be born in your world? <laughs> you know, so to see how you can cultivate those ten perfections in your world so that the Buddha will be born. You know, because that's, <laughs> that's what it's going to take. Now, how are you going to do it and when are you going to notice and all that? And you know, Do we have a timetable for this? Do we have a PowerPoint presentation? Do we have a plan <laughs> that we can get there? Uh, and uh, This is this is where you really have to. It's it's, all, it's agricultural. This it's not it's not very mechanical. This is this is agricultural and natural. Things grow in their own pace in their own way, and one can't force it. One can't really force it. You know, it's a, it's it, the realizations happen almost without one 
really knowing it. If one keeps looking for how well one's doing, if one keeps digging up the plant, it'll never grow. You know, it's it's never going to work. It's just got to be left alone, actually. And just keep doing it, keep doing it, and do not worry about the results. If you do notice that wholesome qualities are growing in your life, then that is a sign that your practice is is going better. Do keep practicing meditation. Because in the practice of meditation, quietly sitting, you really have the opportunity to develop all of the ten perfections. All of the ten perfections, just sitting on a cushion, <laughs> doing nothing. <laughs> you know, it's it's possible. You know, find ways of doing it. Just still cultivating and giving space for those. Generously giving yourself the time to meditate. Generously giving attention. And in the act of sitting, of course, your five precepts are pretty good. <laughs> you know? You know, you don't need to worry about your five precepts too much if you're sitting still on your cushion. You can, you know, <laughs> that's good enough, okay? And then you can, uh, you know, you're, you're actually giving up watching uh, EastEnders, <laughs> or you're giving up watching, you know, the telly. <laughs> you, uh, you know, you've, you've practiced your enunciation, you've given up your entertainment for the day, no more John Stewart. Um, You've, you know, you've practiced that. You've got your, um, you're making your, your, uh, using your time as wisely as you can. You're making the effort to stop unwholesome practices and just distracting yourself. You're being honest about your resolution and your purpose as a human being. Your highest purpose as a human being. Yeah? And you're being incredibly patient, sitting. Yeah? You're fulfilling your, your determination. You're remembering your determination. You're being very kind to yourself. And you're practicing a sense of evenness and being able to be with and accept this limitation and bear with it. You're cultivating something. You're allowing something to be there. And of course, you know, Lumpur Cha would say, you know, the Buddha is here now. Yeah. Because when you see the truth, when you see the Dhamma, then you see the Buddha. Where is he? (laughs) And it's, it's up, you know, it's up to you to notice what's already already accessible. Notice what one doesn't usually notice. And practice, practice doing that through your life. It's the encouragement to practice noticing what's already there that already leads to peace. 
presence here and now beyond time. Practice noticing the Dhamma. That's the encouragement anyway. That's the cultivation and that's the place of meditation in this. The opportunity to cultivate the ten paramitas on the cushion. Okay, you practice it in one's daily life, but also practice it on the cushion. And when recognize that one is practicing it on the cushion, it's uh, that's it's your opportunity. It's not, um, not very much more than that. So I don't know whether the, the tea's ready, but I'm stopping quarter of an hour early to give time for conversation because it's probably enough information because I didn't get the PowerPoint presentation and I don't have the handouts. But I hope that that's something for it. But I think that nowadays you will be able to podcast this. So it might be possible to get these on a podcast now. With luck. Thank you. I'll be happy to be happy to try to answer the, some questions. There may be some before tea if this tea's not ready.